Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, I, uh, I have some news I need to share this morning. It's rather important. It is my sister Deanna Crego's birthday today. So, Deanna, Deanna, where are you? There you are. Stand up, please. How old are you? 14 years old. Wow. And you are on your way to the island camp today. So why don't we just uh, take a quick moment. We're going to sing happy birthday to Deanna. Now, if I'm the only one singing, it's going to be rough. So let's all join together, please. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Deanna. Happy birthday to you. Love you, little sis. Have a good time this week. I'll be praying for you. All right, so I'm really excited about today because we are continuing through our sermon series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. If you're a guest here, that's what we're doing for the entire sermon or the entire summer. Uh, we are preaching through Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And uh, we've titled this, this entire sermon series, The Jesus Way. And really we think that that's what Jesus is getting at um, as he preaches through this sermon. He's getting at this idea where he's going to contrast the way you and I, as, as human beings, just naturally kind of live. And as we're there, Jesus is going to show us that there is a different way. It's actually his Father, God's way. And he's encouraging us to recognize that it's the best way. And as Christians, we understand this. As Christians, we understand that we're now God's children, and Jesus is our big brother leading us in how to live um, as, his, as the Father's kids. And so that's what we want, but we also know something as we, as we walk through this sermon series. What is very clear is that there's a certain way we live, and that is so natural for us that Jesus' way is very unnatural and very hard. Um, but Jesus gives us this great opportunity throughout the summer, we're going to have pretty much at every sermon, at the end of it, as he walks through each of these texts and moves from topic to topic, it's very clear that he gives each of us this opportunity. We have a choice. We have a choice to exchange our way for Jesus' way. And to do that, uh, or, or to move forward in that, we're going to start today. Uh, Jesus, again, changes his topics. And for me, I'm going to introduce a new topic to you with a photo. But before I go to the, to, the, to the picture, I do have a bit of a disclaimer. I did not pick this picture. Walt did. So if you don't like it, you can blame Walt. <laughs> Now, I'm just I really, actually, actually, I chose this, the, the picture. He suggested it. It's an awesome picture. And I don't think he knows exactly how I'm going to use it. So I take full responsibility for any way that I end up going with this picture right now. You can, you can hate me, like me about it, whatever. We're going to introduce it because it's pretty intense. I think we're going to have quite a bit of a reaction to it. Okay, so those of you who are listening online, I just feel like I need to make sure that I describe this to you online. Um, and it'll help us understand it, too. I've got a landscape photo, and in it there is a road in the middle. And there's two people in the landscape photo. 
Clearly, the one to the right of us as we look at it is a stereotypical, if you have any religious background whatsoever, this is a stereotypical picture of Jesus. He's got long, dark hair. He's got a beard. He looks very friendly. He's got a white robe on. He's got sandals. I mean, we don't really know what Jesus looked like. We don't really have any idea necessarily what he wore. We have an idea because of the culture. But if you have any religious background, it's pretty obvious this is Jesus. Now, the person to the left of him, person to the left, he happens to be clearly a soldier, but he's not a modern-day soldier like 21st century soldier because he doesn't have a helmet on, he doesn't have all the electrical gear, he doesn't have the new modern body armor on, but he's clearly a modern soldier, probably a 20th century soldier. And we know for sure, if we're any kind of history buffs, what kind of soldier this is because on his right arm, he's got a band on it. And on that band is a German Nazi swastika. Jesus is walking alongside the road with the German Nazi, and it gets worse. Not only is Jesus walking along the road with the German Nazi, it's a young adult, but Jesus actually seems to be, to be carrying a bag, and worse yet, the Nazi soldier's gun. And he's carrying that gun. And I gotta be honest with you, if this was me, and this was a, my initial reaction without any background looking at this photo, if I just looked at this photo, I got a lot of issues with this photo. I got a ton of issues with this photo, as a matter of fact. For one, I mean, who does this artist think he is to put Jesus next to a Nazi? Like, that's okay. Like, like doesn't the artist know? I mean, I'm sure the artist knows, and he just wants to get a rise out of me, so I'm going to let him have it for a little bit. This picture has a, has a real problem. I mean, the Nazis were the people that created a whole ideological system that the idea was the salvation of all mankind was the eradication and purification of an entire human race by the eradication of any other race that was not the German people and the Aryan race. And so because of that, anybody else, particularly the Jews, were seen as subhuman, as somehow they were actually not human. And so because of that, it was okay for them to actually just exterminate them like they were bugs. And millions of people were murdered on an ideological system that thought that it was all about purifying the human race. And that was the salvation of mankind. I got a real problem that Jesus was walking next to that guy. I got a real issue with that. I got a real issue that not only is he walking next to the guy, but he's carrying the very bag that should be condemning him. If this were my Jesus and I were making this picture, I would have Revelation 19 Jesus. I'm talking flames coming out of his eyes, I'm talking sword coming out of his mouth. I'm talking he's going to come with armies of heaven and that guy's going to be under his foot. That's the kind of Jesus, if I was making this picture, that I would put up there next to a German soldier. What is that? That's ridiculous. I mean, think about it. I mean, like this guy has a soul or something. What is Jesus doing? What is this artist doing portraying a Jesus like that? You know, the only problem, the only problem with my reaction, I don't know if any of you are having any bit of reaction along with me to that. Maybe just, you know, have to get out, get up front about it. I mean, it's okay. I'm the one being the fool up here. So, listen, the only problem with that is that this, this is actually a very accurate representation of what Jesus is talking about in this text. It's a very accurate representation. And it, it, it's a very accurate representation for a modern us in the 21st or 20th century to understand just how offensive, just how radical, just how completely uh, different what Jesus was saying in this moment. In my reaction that I just presented to you, I wanna, I wanna suggest that to the listeners that were hearing this in the first century, what Jesus was about to say, internally, their reaction, emotionally, would not have been that different. And the reason why Jesus actually is saying what he's saying is because he actually might actually want that because it's going to drive at something that you and I struggle with and it's going to expose something. 
So we're going to go to our text today. It's in Matthew chapter 5, and it's going to start in verse 38. So why don't you turn there? And I want to suggest to you that the reaction that the first century listener would have gotten as they listened to what Jesus is going to say wouldn't have been all that different from the reaction that I just presented to you. Maybe they wouldn't have been so out front, out, like forward about it. But they had ideas about who the Messiah was. And they had ideas about what life was supposed to be like. And they had ideas about how you're supposed to relate to other people. Particularly people who hurt you, who wrong you, who sin against you. And so, Jesus says something in verse 38. Now I'm going to portray to you as though I'm a first century listener listening to what Jesus is going to say. So I'm chilling on the mountainside listening to Jesus speak, and this is what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yeah, man, you know, I know this one. Jesus, I, I got this one, man. I don't even need to listen to this. Jesus, this is, this is that one where it says, if somebody wrongs me, somebody personally attacks me, if someone, if someone sins against me, I get to make sure that they get punished for what they did. I want to make sure they get mine for what they did to me. They're going to hurt like they hurt me. I got this one all set. I know that that's in the law. It's okay. That one's cool. I don't need to listen to any of this, man. I got this. All right, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to doodle on my, my hand for a little bit. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Wait a minute. Come again? Did I hear? I didn't hear. Jesus, I must have misheard Jesus. Can you say that again? Do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek... Turn the other to him also. Hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jesus, are you telling me? Are you telling me that if somebody's going to physically attack me, I'm supposed to be okay with that? As a matter of fact, I'm supposed to let him hit me again? Man, do you hear what this guy's saying? Man, Jesus, if somebody hits me, it's, it's springer time, man. I'm going. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. All right, man, now come on. Seriously? I mean, it was one thing if you're going to tell me not to, hit, not to hit somebody back when they hit me. I know my mom told me that when I was young. But are you telling me that if someone tries to sue me, it's okay that I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to let them take my stuff? No, 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 no. When someone tries to sue me, I'm going to sue them back, and I'm going to take all their stuff. What are you talking about, Jesus? And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with them too. All right, now that is just enough. You, you know, you must be like some hippie Galilean or something. I mean, what are you talking about? You're telling me that if a Roman soldier comes into my town, my town, and, and, and a Gentile, and he comes into my town, and he's on his own, you know what they're going to do, right? You know what they're going to do, Jesus? They're going to another, another territory. They're going to go, they're going to go do what they do when they go, you know, conquer towns. They're going to kill people. They're going to do other stuff that I can't even mention, all unlawful for me to say. And you know what? You're telling that, you're telling me when he comes into my town, and he says, pick up my bags, carry my equipment, and, and, and I'm supposed to touch them, a Gentile stuff. I'm going to carry it, and I'm going to carry it, not only just the distance they tell me, but I'm saying, hey, you know what? You look like you're tired from carrying all your equipment. Let me take it another mile for you. Don't worry about it. I got you. Man, you're crazy, Jesus. What are you talking about? Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You know what, Jesus? This is too much. You, you, you got, if this is, if you're claiming to be the Messiah 
And, and, and this is the kind of kingdom you're talking about. You're talking about some non-passive, some, some, some peace and love kind of hippie thing going on. If this is what you're offering for a kingdom, man, I don't want you. I want the Messiah that's coming that's going to conquer the Romans, that's going to, that's going to annihilate the, the people that are oppressing us. I'm, to, I'm, I'm, expecting, I'm expecting someone to come in flames from, uh, from the clouds with a whole army. And you know what? If this is the kind of kingdom you're going to offer, then I'm just going to pass. You know what? I'm done. I'm taking off. All right, so that's our first pass through our text. You know what the problem with that they would have had in the first century? Now, I presented that reaction, and I presented my reaction to, to the photo, and they're not very different. And the reason why is because because what Jesus said was just so, so offensive, particularly the idea. We don't see it in the text because we don't understand, but this idea of someone forcing you to go a mile, in that day, when Romans would travel through a territory on their way to either occupy a territory that they've already taken over and police it, or to go on to further conquests, as they traveled, the people that they had occupied, they would force those people to carry equipment for them. And for a Jew, this was extremely offensive. The Jews were not supposed to associate with Gentiles. It was against God's law. The Jews were, were being oppressed by these people. And worse yet, the Jews were looked at by these people as, 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 as somehow less than, than Romans, less than human. And so to the, to, the, to, the, to the Jews, the Romans, you guys know this, the Romans were, were disgusting. And so for them to actually carry their bags? And not only that, but actually to consider that they were somehow worthy of, of giving more than what was required for them to carry their bags further? I mean, it just would have been, it, it would have been just as offensive to my grandparents or my parents, or maybe your grandparents or parents who would have been alive and maybe even fought in World War II, or to a Jewish person in the 20th century to, to have a picture of their Messiah or their religious leader carrying the bags of a Nazi. It would have been that offensive. We're going to take a second pass through the text so that we can get an idea of why, of why Jesus would do this and, what, and our reaction how this really exposes the heart that Jesus is getting at. Because he's really contrasting two things. He's contrasting our way of looking at life and that's why we react the way we do. And then he's going to contrast that with his offer for us to view life through a different lens, which will lead to a different reaction. So verse 38, we'll read it one more time. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. See, this was an Old Testament law. This was law. And there was a particular intention behind this law. As you go into the Old Testament, you understand it. It says an eye for an eye. An eye is the judgment for an eye the offense. What the whole idea behind that was, was that it was, it was God's way of protecting people who sin against one another. It was God's way of protecting not only the offended who had something done to them to make sure that the one who hurt them was rightfully punished for what they did, but it was also a means to protect the offender from, being, from having vengeance exacted on them and actually having the punishment be more than the offense. To actually have the punishment be, uh, be beyond 
uh, equitable to how they had, had uh, sinned, how, what law they had broken, what, what they had done to another person. And so it was a means of protection. But here's the problem. Somewhere along when it was given through Moses for the hundreds and hundreds of years after that to the days of, of first century Israel where Jesus is speaking, that law had been perverted. It had been perverted actually into a means by which revenge was now lawful. It had been a means by which people could say, when somebody wrongs me, when somebody sins against me, when somebody personally attacks me, it's lawful for me to make sure that they get the punishment they deserve for what they did. And furthermore, because of that, it actually became permissible to make sure that you could even do it. And so Jesus is, is exposing this and he's saying, what he's really getting at is we have this issue with the way we view life. And it's why when Jesus starts going further, people start getting irritated. If there was ever a point in this sermon when people were so upset that they got up and left, I feel like this, although it doesn't say it in the text, I feel like this would be the place. Because what Jesus is contrasting, he's contrasting two ways. This is our way. Are you ready? This is our way. Our way of relating to people, especially those who wrong us, who sin against us, who personally attack us, is through the lens of fairness. See, we look at life, and when things happen, we, deter we try to, to view whether or not they are fair. And when they're not fair, we got a problem with it, especially when whatever happens to us that we think is not fair happens exact directly toward to us. When somebody wrongs us, when somebody sins against us, when somebody personally attacks us, we see it through the lens of personal of fairness, and we get angry. It becomes the breeding ground for anger, for bitterness, hatred, and all of those things Jesus has already dealt with before, and he's just now providing a little more, a little more exposure on it through another, through another perspective. What happens is, as we view life through fairness, and it leads us to the sense that we can exact personal justice, and we pervert justice to being personal justice. And what happens is, what the problem with this is, is when we view life through the lens of personal fairness, or our fairness, it's a perfect ground in our heart for the roots of bitterness to, to, to grow, and anger to grow like a vine almost, and to start wrapping around our heart and our soul, and hatred to grow. And eventually, our heart and our soul begins to thirst for relief. We begin dying inside. And we, we want to be free. And although we don't know it, we think in our heads, as we look through life through the lens of personal fairness, we think that the release is revenge. If we some way exact revenge on the person who hurt us, if they would hurt just a little bit, somewhat like I was hurt, then my soul could be free. Now, before you don't think that you don't exact revenge, I just want to... I don't think I need to talk too much about it. I mean, just come on, really? Just, just, just stop for a moment. And I'm not talking like murder or something, but I mean, Jesus has already dealt with this, so let's just be real with, with what Jesus has already said. If we have anger in our heart, what are we? We're murderers. Because that's where it ultimately leads. So, so if, if, if we why would we think that vengeance would somehow set our souls free? 
when we're there in that place, I just, I just don't want you to think that somehow you're not committing, you don't, you don't exact vengeance. I can give you a good example. This past week, perfect timing, going to preach this sermon. Um, something happens at work where I, I very clearly get upset because something was being done and I was being affected and the other person had no consideration for how they impacted me. And so you know what I did? I got right on the phone. I called up the people that are responsible for that person and I let them know exactly what I thought about what this guy was doing to me. And I made sure that they knew how upset I was with what they were doing. And then I made certain that they understood that this was wrong and it's not fair. I didn't say those words, but that's what I did. You know what I was doing? I was exacting revenge upon the person that was responsible for that guy as though it was their fault that that guy did what he did and I was being affected by it. See, because I was looking at life through the lens of personal fairness, and I would challenge that every one of us do this somehow on a daily basis. And that, although I didn't murder somebody, although I didn't attack somebody physically for what they did to me, that was revenge. And here's the thing about revenge. You and I, when we look through the lens of fairness, we think that the relief to our soul for the, 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 the roots of anger and the vine of bitterness and, 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 and hatred in our life that's squeezing our hearts and souls. We think that revenge is going to set us free. Although we might not think that way, that is what we think. And here's the reality. So, John, would you switch to the next picture? Imagine that this is you exacting your revenge. This is the rope that you're going to turn into a hangman's noose. You've got the person in your mind that you're relating to, and you are going to, you know that this is going to bring release. But here's what really happens. The thing about fairness... The thing about, about exacting revenge is you think it's going to bring release to your soul, but I know it's kind of a funny picture, but what really ends up happening is you're even more in bondage than you ever were before. There's no freedom there. There's no release there. No. None at all. It just, it just grows into more and more and more bondage, and your soul is desperate for release. Now, Jesus knows this, and because of this, Jesus says, no, listen, this is your way. He wants to expose our heart's view of relating to others. You look at others through the lens of fairness, and because of that, hatred and bitterness, anger, they grow in your soul, and they have bound you up. But I have come, the scriptures say, to set you free. I have come to bring, to bring release, and and. And how does that happen? Jesus says, I have another way. Our ways look at, lens, uh, at life relating to others through the lens of fairness. Jesus' way is to relate to others through the lens of grace. Through the lens of grace. And so how do we get there? Well, I, I want to I go back to the picture that I started with in the beginning. Jonathan, can we get there? Uh-oh. We stuck? We good. All right, there it is. Now, as we're going to walk through the text, I'm going to, I'm going to take a second pass through the text in a minute, but, but if you remember from the text, Jesus was encouraging us. He says, here, here's your way. You view, you view life through the lens of fairness, and here's my way. I want to encourage you to view life through the lens of grace. He's encouraging us as a result. It's going to lead us to deal with people in a different way. So, so this artist's pit portrayal of what Jesus was talking about in one section of this text is right up here, and, it, and Jesus is offering us something. He's offering us the opportunity to be like who? Jesus. But by doing that, he actually is implying something else. 
We're in this picture, are we not? But if we have the opportunity to be like Jesus, what does that naturally leave us like? Now, now hold on, I'm sorry. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, are you serious, Jeff? You're going you're gonna to call me a Nazi? Like, this is my first time coming here, and you're telling me that I'm a Nazi? Psh, honey, we're getting out of here. I'm sorry, but I just am not going to deal with this guy. Like, this is a church that we're totally not coming to. I mean, they, talk, they call us Nazis here. I mean, what's that all about? No, let me, let me just stop for a moment and just, just honestly, honestly, let's think about it for a moment. I'm not saying you're a Nazi, but, 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 we know if we have any biblical understanding that what, that what caused, now, now if we have any historical understanding or, or memory either, we know that, that the Nazis, many of them were what after the war? They were, they were punished by what? Execution for the, for the crimes that they committed against humanity, for the war crimes that they committed. So we know that whether or not this Nazi actually ever participated in it, let's just say that he was a Nazi that that at the least even just, just was associated with it because he was a Nazi, so he was, we know that his crimes deserve punishment. And his crimes deserve the punishment of death. Now, that's fair, isn't it? That's fair. It's justice. Now, the scriptures say very clearly that you and I are born in sin, and we sin. Now, sin is very basic. I'm just going to stay real, real basic on this. Sin is anything we know that's wrong, and we choose to do it. And if there's anything that, and, and, and furthermore, if we're really going to get at it, when we do something that in our conscience we know is wrong, we are, we are sinning against the God who has laid the, the, the law of right and wrong in our hearts. And so we're disobeying God. And the scriptures say before God, the wages, what we earn for sin is death, just like that Nazi. And then, furthermore, it says, after death, just like this Nazi when he dies, this Nazi when he dies, he's going to, it says, it's appointed for men to die once, and then after this comes the judgment. And after this comes the judgment. So this guy is going to stand before God, and the books are going to be open, it says. And his deeds, his thoughts, his entire life is going to be read off including all of the sins he committed. And the scriptures are going to say it's going to be fair that he is rightfully judged by God and he is going to be cast into the lake of fire, eternal hell. And that is fair. That's fair. It's fair. Now the problem is you and I, apart from Christ, we deserve to die. The wages, what we're earning is death. And that passage does not just apply to Nazis. It applies to all people. It's appointed for people, men, to die once. And after this comes the judgment. And so all of us are going to have that same thing happen. Our, our deeds, every thought, every sin is going to be read. And it's going to be fair that God judges us for our sin. And the problem is God is a holy, righteous God, and, and it is totally right that God would judge sin, and, it, and he casts the, the people who commit it into the lake of fire, forever separated from him. And so I'm not trying to be super offensive here. I'm not trying to, 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 to be mean. I'm just trying to say, if you and I want to live life through the lens of fairness, then let's just be fair. Come, come on, come on, let's just, let's just be fair. 
are we in any different place than where that Nazi's at right now? Is that fair? I think that's fair. But if that's where we're at in the picture, is Jesus, has Jesus opened the book? Is Jesus condemning us? Is Jesus, Revelation 19, Jesus coming with flame and a sword? Is he, is he coming with the armies of heaven and stomping out you and me as we're up there? No. No, he's not. Why? Because he loves you. Scriptures say that God desires that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Scriptures say that God so loved you and I that he sent Jesus, and this is why Jesus came, and this is why he's talking to you and to I. He came because he is a gracious God, and the scriptures say that he bore the sin and the wrath. He he bore the lake of fire in our place on the cross so that none of us would have to go there. God is relating to you and I through the lens of grace. Today, the scriptures say, is the day of salvation. Today is the opportunity for all people to not have to face that moment, but to have God relate to them through grace. Somebody gave a great, a, great, um, a great artistic rendition of their understanding of where they stand before God and at the cross, and they understand grace through the love of God shown in the cross of Christ. And this is the song, and I just want you to imagine that this is you, because that's what this artist is getting at. It's, it's us. I mean, let's just be fair. Apart from Christ, we're right there. That's fair. We want to live in, a, in, a, in fairness, we want to live a life of fairness, then you, have, you and I do not deserve anything we have. We don't deserve the car we have, we don't deserve the people that we relate to, we don't deserve, we don't deserve the house that we have, we don't deserve the food that's on our plate, we don't deserve the fact that the sun doesn't just burn our skin right off. No, what we deserve is, is hell. That's fair. But God is not doing any of that. This is how God relates to us. He says... This is this artist, uh, it's a song, it's called, it's by the band Sidewalk Prophets, and the name of the song is You Love Me Anyway, and in the bridge it says, I am the thorn in your crown, but you love me anyway. I'm the sweat from your brow, but you love me anyway. I am the nail in your wrist, but you love me anyway. I am Judas's kiss, but you love me Anyway, see now I am the man who called out from the crowd for your blood to be spilled on this earth-shaking ground. Yes, then I turned away with this smile on my face, with this sin in my heart, tried to bury your grace. Then the, and then alone in the night, I still called out for you, so ashamed of my life, my life, my life. But you loved me anyway, oh God how you love me. Yes, you love me anyway. Jesus is offering us an opportunity to exchange our view of life, viewing it through the lens of fairness, because if we're totally fair and we totally want to live in the lens of fairness, then we know that every one of us is on their way to hell. But God relates to us with grace, 
And God offers us the power to have grace change our hearts and as a result change the way we view life. That's how it's going to happen. See, I'm telling you to look at life through the lens of grace and you say, okay, Jeff, I got this, you know, and I'm going I'm I'm to stop thinking about fairness. And so I'm probably going to stop saying, okay, when somebody hurts me, I'm going to say, how can I make them hurt back? Yeah, that's basically what it would do. And then when I, when I think of grace, when I see life through the lens of grace, it's going to take me to a place that I'm going to say, okay, okay, I need to, I need to show them grace, which means, which means I'm, going to, I'm going to have to work really hard at that. And left to yourself, that's exactly where you and I will be. And eventually it'll get too hard, and eventually it'll be, it will be completely impossible. And that's because to look at life through the lens of grace and anything that Jesus really talks about in the Sermon on the Mount is going to take a supernatural work of God in your life. And so it's not going to be just stop looking at people through, through your view of fairness and start looking at people through your view of grace. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere, and it's got to start with a change of heart. And so if you are not a Christian, like... Um, you might have grown up in church, you might have been a part of, of some religion for a long time, but, but if you're here especially and you are just trying out this Jesus thing, you're not sure about it, you think you might be a Christian, it's very clear that the scriptures say that every one of us has sinned. I've pointed this out already. Every one of us are on their way to hell because of the sin in our lives. Every one of us has sinned at least one time, and one time is enough to send us to hell. But, but God loves us so much that he does not want that to condemn us and keep us from him. He has pursued us, and he wants to restore the brokenness in our lives. And so for us, we've got to start somewhere. If we, want, if we want to change our view of fairness, because we know vengeance and seeking out that is not setting us free. We know, we know what our hearts feel like. We know where we're at. Then I would encourage you, your first step is to, is to for the first time, recognize the grace of God in your life and to respond to that. God loves you, and he offers this opportunity. He says, whoever will call upon the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. Whoever will believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord will be saved. And what that means is, as best you understand, when Jesus went to the cross, he took your wrath in your place. You deserve wrath. God took it for you in the person of Christ. And not only did he just do that, that's mercy, but he gave you grace. He gave you the opportunity to start a relationship with the God of the universe and that God would come into your life and that God would become your father and that God would love you and God would lead you and eventually you're going to be with him in his kingdom forever and your life will forever be a, a story of being restored to what God wanted for you. And and this, this hatred and this anger and this bitterness that is so deep in your heart, God will start to change. But you need to come to the place where you say, God, I need that. I need Jesus. And so you, will, you need to tell him that you need him. You need to call upon him. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that in a minute. But for you guys who are Christians today, for you, for you who have been Christians for any extended period of time, I don't know about you, but I don't know where, I don't know where your heart is at today. But, but, but essentially, this, is, this does not just apply to the non-Christians. This applies to us, see, because we, like I talked about last week, we have this tendency to, to come to a point of salvation, to make a decision, to have God start working in our lives. But, but we tend to, unless, God, unless we start to, to, to respond to what God is doing in our hearts, we tend to still live as though Jesus has made no difference in our life. But Jesus has. And so what we need is we need to get to a place where we identify the reality that this is, this is the truth. When grace meets you at the depth 
of where anger has taken root, bitterness and hatred have grown. When grace meets you there, your heart will not leave unchanged. But, but here's your opportunity. You've got you to let, you let Jesus in and let Jesus start changing you. You've got to respond. You've got to surrender in that area. You've got to say something like, God, help me. Help me to stop looking at others through the lens of grace. Help me to get a view of how you relate to me. You look at me with, with grace. You don't condemn me. And God, what does that person who's wronged me need? They need the same thing that I've gotten. They need grace. They need grace. God, help me to look at others through the lens of grace. And invite God in in that area of your heart and say, God, I, you need to start healing me and changing me right here. And i got to tell you, again, that story that I shared with you earlier this week, you know how long it took my heart to change? Well, I'll tell you what, it's still changing. It was hours of battle. Hours of just, God, help me. God, help me. Come in and heal me. God, change my view of this person. It's not easy. See, Jesus' way is not natural, and it's not easy. Our way is to look at others through the lens of fairness. Jesus' way is to look at others and relate to others through the lens of grace. And if we do, as we finished our text, we will see that this will be how we relate to others. Look at verse 39. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. See, when somebody personally attacks us, when grace has set us free in the depths of our hearts, we are not bound by anger and we're not bound by bitterness. We're not bound by hatred anymore. And so we're free to now look at that person and recognize, you know what? I don't need to hurt them the way they've hurt me. I need to give them what they need, and they need grace. Verse verse 40, if someone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let them have your cloak also. See, if you understand that you don't deserve anything you have, but that you've been given abundant grace, grace beyond imagination, that God has related to you on that level, then you're going to be free not to get so amped up about the fact that somebody wants to take your stuff. And you're going to be able to look at that person with a new sense of freedom. You're going to be free, the very thing that you wanted to relate to that person with. And you're going to be able to to look at them and say, I don't don't need my stuff. What what I need is I need to to help them see what they need. They need, need grace. Verse 41 and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with them too. See, see, what Jesus is getting at is that someone who could normally repulse you and, and be so offensive to even want to talk to that person, when grace has come to the depths of your heart and soul that it has set you free, when you look at a person that normally would repulse you, you have the opportunity and actually maybe even the desire to be drawn towards that person. Because grace is that powerful. And that person needs grace. Verse 42, give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. See, again, you get to this place where you realize that everything you have has been given by the Father of lights, and it's a good gift from him, and it's meant to be used, not to be hoarded. And so you do not need to worry about when your stuff might leave you because you don't see life through the lens of fairness anymore. You see it through grace, and so you will want to give your stuff away because you see what people need. They need need grace, the same grace that you got from God in Christ.
See, my way, my way is to look at life through the lens of fairness, especially when somebody sins against me, wrongs me, personally attacks me, and that is a breeding ground in my heart and soul for bitterness, anger, hatred, and if I continue to live there, the only thing that I think is going to set me free is to somehow exact revenge on that person. But Jesus' way is to look at life through the lens of grace with a heart that's set free by grace. What will your way be? What, what, what will your way be? What will your way be? Let me pray for you guys. Father, I just, uh, just want to pause and I just want to thank you so much. I want to thank you so much for the fact that you do not relate to me through the lens of fairness. You do not give me exactly what I deserve. You have not, you're not giving me your wrath and your fury, but you have come in Christ, and Christ has taken all of the wrath I fully deserve. And he has died in my place, and he rose from the dead, and he has given me, you have given me grace. And God, I thank you for all who are Christians here that that is the truth as well. And I thank you that right now you desire, you desire deep freedom. You desire real change in our lives, that we would start to respond to your gracious dealing in our lives. And so I pray for any Christian that's here right now, if you just would be honest before your heart, before God right now, I just, I just ask you, all eyes closed, if, if you're here and anger and bitterness, hatred has got your soul all bound up and you know it and you are desperate for freedom, would you just raise your hand right now? I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that I see that all around the place. I just want to encourage you, right now, just, just invite Jesus in to your heart. Just lay down whatever, whatever you imagine the barriers are in your hearts. Would you just lay them down right now? And just pray something like this with me. God, help me right now to see you and the way you relate to me you do not give me what I deserve. You do not deal with me with fairness. But you deal with me with grace. You have been so loving and so gracious to me. God, change me by your grace. Help me to start looking at others with the lens of grace. Help me see how you relate to me. Set me free, God. I want to encourage you, as you, just, as you prayed that, I want to encourage you to know this. Although you might have immediately changed right now, this is a prayer you're going to have to pray often. And this is a prayer that I would encourage you right now to commit to God and to return to, because you're going to be tested. God, I pray for these people that they would return to that they would return to you, that you would continue to do a work of grace in their hearts and souls, and they would invite that on a daily, moment-by-moment -moment basis, and that they would look to you, and they would see your work of grace in their hearts, and that they would start dealing with other people through that lens, the same lens that you relate to them with. And then finally, if you are not a Christian here today, I hope it's been really, really clear that the only lens you have to look at life right now 
is fairness. And if that's the truth, then you've only got one relationship that you can operate in against God or with God or operate relating to God, and it's fairness. And you, you, I'm sorry, but you deserve the full wrath of God for your sin. And God deserves to punish you for it. But God loves you. He wants to give you his grace. And so I would pray, I I just, I ask you right now, if you see that Jesus Christ did come, die on the cross and take the full wrath of God in your place, and he rose from the dead, and that you believe that, would you just raise your hand right now and just, just show me. I got one. I see another. I see another. I see another. Do you, if you are responding to that for the first time, that you're saying, I want, I want Jesus to be, to be my Savior right now, raise your hand. Okay. Okay. I want to pray for you real quick. Pray this prayer with me. Father, I, God, I see that you are my Father, that Jesus Christ has come in, and he's come to die in my place. So just repeat that. And that he, di- he came and died because I'm a sinner and I deserve hell. Repeat that. I believe right now that Jesus died in my place. And I ask him to be my savior. And God, come into my life and start changing me. Set me free. Particularly, help me now to see how you relate to me through grace. Let me just pray for us all and we'll end right here. Father, I thank you again for every person that responded today. And I just pray that in, your, in, in our hearts you would continue the good work that you began as Matt prayed earlier. That you would continue uh, to make us more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. We love him, we love you, and we worship you in his name.